Stay standing for just a moment, for a few moments in prayer. We want to invite the Holy Spirit this afternoon. We also want to make sure that uh, we lift up a, a young lady from our, our youth church, our kids' church. Uh, she was just knocked down by a Porsche um, crossing the road after church this morning, and she's had to be taken to hospital. Her name's Ode. We really want to lift her up. She got flipped over the bonnet of the car and ended up sitting inside the car. It's a convertible, but it's quite a serious accident. We really want to lift her up right now, okay? And then after, straight after that, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to turn up to really minister to us today. Amen? So let's lift her up. Father, we lift up Ode and we lift up the whole of her family right now, Father. Lord, as they're struggling, Father, to come to terms with what's happened with their daughter, Father. But Lord, we ask you firstly for the presence of your Holy Spirit, Father, in that hotel, uh, in that hospital right now, Father. That there'll be a real sense of the anointing of God right there, Father, in the, wherever she is. If she's in an emergency room, if she's being scanned, Father. Lord, we ask you for a real sense of the Spirit of God. And Lord, secondly, we ask that Spirit, Holy Spirit, as you're there, that you would begin to minister in healing, Father, right now. Lord, whatever the doctors might be thinking has happened or has happened, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you would reverse it supernaturally by the Spirit of God. Lord, if they're predicting 100% of a problem, Father, that we would see it reduced down to 20% and less, Lord. Lord, that whatever is going on, Father, that we would see a miracle being worked in that hospital right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, that you would receive glory, Lord, for this. And Lord, we lift up her sister and brother, Father, who are very grieved by this accident, Lord God. We ask that you would comfort them, Lord that any attack upon them, upon their hearts, Lord, right now would be, would be staved off by the Spirit of God. And Lord, that they would know your peace that passes all understanding. Lord, that they would commit to you yet further and stronger during this difficult time, Father. And Lord, we lift up the parents as they're seeking to hold this situation together. Lord, we ask you that you'd fill them with a spirit of prayer. Lord, that you would comfort them, that they would know your nearness in Jesus' name. And Lord, we turn to you today, Lord. And we're here because we want to meet with you. We're here in the house of God because we want to know more of who you are. We want to know more about your Holy Spirit. And we want to walk in unity with you. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this afternoon. Just lift up your hearts and lift out your hands and just say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you here in my life today. Lord, we ask you that right from left to the right, there would be a move of your spirit in the hearts of your people, Lord. That they would encounter you, that they would step into a deep, deeper relationship with you. Lord, that the questions that they've had, the things that have been going on in their thinking, Lord, that they would receive revelation today. But more than that, that they would receive an encounter with you, Jesus. Can't do anything today except by your spirit, God. So we give this whole service over to you. We humble ourselves before you. We say that we're men and women that are in the hand of the potter. Jesus, we ask you to fill us, mold us and shape us for your glory. We thank you that all of this has been made possible, Lord, because of what you did on the cross that you went to the cross willingly so that we might receive the gift of your spirit, Jesus. Fill us with your spirit afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do take your seats. Now today we are looking into a new series, The Gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, or moving in the gifts of the Spirit. And today I'm going to be looking at a specific message, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and the purpose of the spiritual gifts. I want to start off by reading you uh, the passage where Paul introduces to us the entire concept of the spiritual gifts, and then I'll take us uh, deeper in the teaching today. Now there are varieties of gifts, this is 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is, it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the Spirit, uh, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, 
to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to yet another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. There is a trinity that we all know, three persons, one being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We worship one God, okay? We worship the one being God, who is expressed in the three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we'll know a lot about the Father because uh, Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. Everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said was a revelation of the nature of the Father. The Father's desire to, to pour out His love, the, the Father's grace, the Father's truth, the Father's wisdom, the Father's heart for healing, the Father's heart for the lost. All of those are revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. We know Jesus. Jesus came. He gave his life upon the cross for us. This is not just a man giving his life on the cross for us. This is God himself, Jesus, being clothed with flesh. We believe that Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. That's demonstrated in in a few dimensions. One is, is the reception of the Spirit upon him and remaining. The second is when he's transfigured on the mount and reveals the fullness of his glory. He could not reveal what was not already within him. He did not put off his Godhead in order to become the person of Jesus. He clothed his Godhead with the flesh, but then withheld his glory. But he chose to reveal it at the transfiguration to demonstrate that Jesus is God and man in one, 100%, 100%. It's a bit of a mystery, but there is a lot more study available for you if you want, and sort of the Spirit, uh, knowing the Son, come to Bible school, we'll teach you all about it. Amen. But Jesus, fully God, fully man, went to the cross for you and for me. Why? To die for us on the cross as a substitute sacrifice, and a little bit more, which we're going to explain to you very shortly. When he was raised from the dead on the third day, that was a demonstration of the fact that Jesus is God. If he had just remained in the grave, he would have been treated as any other man. But Jesus is demonstrated as God through that resurrection. So we know quite a bit about Jesus. You know, if you read the Gospels, and I hope all of you are reading your Bibles, if you read the Gospels, you will know who Jesus is. But then there's this person of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit, and what is he about, and some people kind of have mixed up views on who he is and, and what role he has to play and, and, and how we interact and interrelate with him. So over the course of this series, we're going to be exp- um, unpacking who the Holy Spirit is and how he interacts with us. And we're going to take a specific focus on the gifts. But you can never talk about the Holy Spirit without talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the nature of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the Spirit of Sonship, all uh, the, uh, the seal of the Spirit, inheritance, all of that kind of stuff comes under this. So we'll touch on those different areas, but primarily we're going to focus on the gift of the Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit given for? As we've just heard in that passage, the Holy Spirit is given for a specific purpose. It is for the building up, the common good, the edification of the entire body of Jesus Christ. That is, everybody that has put their faith in Jesus, whether they uh, call themselves Catholic, Evangelical, uh, Lutheran, Baptist, Methodist, whatever, Pentecostal. It is a spirit that unites all of us as people who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. And his purpose is to bring us together for the building up of the body, for the building up of the glory of Jesus in this, house, in, in this nation and in this world through the Holy Spirit who is love. And so he moves in and and through our lives through his gifts. Now this topic that we're going to look at today, baptism and the Holy Spirit, is quite a controversial topic. If any of you have been in the faith for any amount of time, you will know that every single one of the streams that I've just mentioned, right the way through from the orthodox traditions of uh, orthodoxy and Catholicism, right the way through Anglicanism and Pentecostals and Methodists and Evangelicals and Baptists and Lutherans, 
all have some kind of a perspective on this person of the Holy Spirit. I'm not here today to bring division. That's not my purpose. See, because the Holy Spirit can be put in a few different categories. The Holy Spirit can be put in the category of the elite. The Holy Spirit and his gifts are only meant to be used by the, the leaders of the church, the apostles, the pastors, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, the people that have upfront ministries, they're out preaching the gospel, they're healing the sick, they're seeing people set free and delivered. They're the ones that need the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that that's what the scripture shows us. Others have tried to represent the baptism of the Holy Spirit as, as the realm of the weird. You hear all kinds of things about different noises or manifestations of the body that people go through um, in contexts where people are experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some claim that their experience is directly aligned with that experience. And we, we, we have to be honest that some is godly and some is not. Some is of the Holy Spirit and some is of another spirit. But we do not chuck out that which is of the Holy Spirit simply because of that which is occurring which is not of the Holy Spirit. Some would seek to confine the baptism of the Holy Spirit to the realm of the foolish. The atheists of the world, the, the scientists of the world will, will turn to the Christian and say, you, you know, you, you lot are absolute idiots anyway for believing the Bible. We know that it's um, a man-made book and we know that you know, uh, portions of it we believe uh, have been changed and whatever, whatever. And also miracles, you can't talk about miracles. I mean, science shows why miracles happen. I'm still waiting for science to show me how a miracle happens, but science shows me how miracles happen. Therefore, you lot, you Christians, you belong to a bygone era of superstitions where you believe in a God that doesn't even really exist. And this thing about the gifts of the Spirit, what are you even talking about? So it gets confined to the realm of the fools. And it also gets confined to the realms of division, which is not why we're here today. We're here today because we believe there is one spirit, one spirit who is given to one body for the purpose of the glorification of Jesus. So all I'm going to do today is present scripture to you. And if, if, if scripture doesn't convince you, then please don't leave the room offended with anybody. Believe the, leave the room holding to your convictions, but please don't leave the room without having had an encounter with God. Because I believe that it's God that shows us what Scripture is saying to us. It's God that reveals the truth of His Word to us. And so if you walk out without your mind changed, God bless you. I'm not here to create problems, but I'm here to present the truth that is available in Christ. And maybe you might say, well, that's a bit of a loaded statement. Well, I'll leave it as that. Acts 1.5. For John truly baptized with water... But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the promise of Jesus, that there is a day coming when the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out and you just need to sit and wait for him to come. But then that day has been fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And then verse 21, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the passage that Peter uses to explain the experience of the disciples on the day of Pentecost. When 120 of them are in a room praying, seeking God, and then suddenly there comes into the room a mighty rushing wind. Flames of fire appear on each person's head, and they begin to speak in tongues and prophesy the wonderful works of God in those tongues. And questioned by normal people who weren't having these experiences, Peter explains it to them by saying, this is what God promised. I am going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And there in that passage, we have our promise for us today. In the last days, we all know that we're in the last days. Whether they happen in the next 50 or 100 years, relatively speaking, these are the last days. And God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. 
So today I'm going to try and break this message into three significant segments, a call to salvation, a call to consecration, and a call to empowered living, because that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is really about. Now firstly, as I mentioned, call to salvation. I know that there's those of you here today who maybe have never come to know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. And maybe you experienced something during the time of worship, something you couldn't quite explain. Or maybe you've been thinking something or feeling a a sense of, of the presence of God in a way that you can't explain even while I've been talking or will continue to talk. And I'll give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? I love motorbikes. I'm, um, I'm, I'm grieving still. How long is it now? Four years? Three years? The loss of my last bike. I had a beautiful Yamaha 1000cc R1 twin undersea Acropovic exhaust, blue. Oh, it was beautiful. And I owned it for 36 hours and then it got stolen. That was my fifth bike, right? But motorbikes are, are, are something of an attraction, especially amongst bikers. You see, you see a beautiful motorbike on the street, and you'll be like, wow. And everyone will stop, and they'll come, and they'll have a look. And if you see bikers anywhere, they just spend all day just like leaning and looking at each other's bikes and talking about the uh, accessories you got on and the exhaust pipe you got on and what horsepower you can get out of it and how much you pay for it and when do you last service it. All these kind of questions constantly going on. And they're all looking at this motorbike and thinking, wow, that's great. And it is. Most motorbikes are a thing of beauty, except for those 125s. And if you ride a 125 or a 250, it's not a motorbike, it's a moped. But it's when you get onto that motorbike and you start up the engine and you start to gun that engine that you start to think about the real potential of this bike. And then you take it out on the road. And Steve, one of my Bible school students over here, loves, he goes track racing on his motorbike. But there is nothing to compare to when you're on that motorbike going at <clears throat> miles an hour and going around corners overtaking Lamborghinis, just doing your thing. Getting that bike down, getting your knee on the ground, there is nothing to replace that experience on a motorbike, in the realm of motorbikes. Why do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because if we don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're just looking at a nice Christian life. That person looks nice and holy. Look, they come to church nicely dressed. They come to church uh, maybe wearing a suit and tie, you know, just to cover up the, the sins of the week or the, in the Sunday finest. Looks beautiful. Wow, where did you get your suit from? Oh, I like your dress. Where did you get, where did you get those shoes? They really match the dress. But then when you get into the Christian life, filled with the Spirit of God and start to fire up that engine, you start to see something different happen. You start to see Christians in the place where they are most needed ministering Christ to people. You start to see Christians getting on their knees in prayer and transforming situations through the spirit of prayer. You get to see people going into situations and laying on hands and seeing people healed. You get to see people going and talking to other, the most lost, the most broken people about Jesus and them coming to Christ. See, the Holy Spirit has a radical transformatory impact upon a believer's life, much more extreme than just the turning on of a motorbike engine. This is the entering into the supernatural, spirit-filled life that God has prepared for every single one of us. And I believe that we serve a God of breakthrough, amen? A God who can do whatever he wants to do. There is no limitation on God. There is no incapacity in God. God can do whatever he chooses to do. And the day that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a demonstration of that. Because at that point in time, something that was previously impossible becomes possible in your life. God reverses the curse and brings you into a place where you can walk in the Spirit of God. Why is that significant? Well, that's the starting place. In the very beginning of creation, God created Adam as a spirit-filled being. In Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, The Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life. And man became a living being, or in the context of the Hebrew, a spirit-filled being. 
Adam was created to be a carrier of the Holy Spirit, or to say it a different way, to be a carrier of the presence of God. That was his original creation mandate. And what happened? We all know that that was stripped away as Adam rejected the role that he had as a temple of the Spirit, as he chose to serve a different God, as he chose to neglect his responsibility, and sin entered into the heart of man. Now, I believe that we, if we don't have Adam, we don't need Jesus. If we just evolve from a monkey, who's Adam? And if Adam is from a monkey, then why did Jesus have to come? What was he coming to die for? Jesus came to die in, somebody, in the place of somebody who was made in the image of God. He came to take the place of someone who was made in his own image. Not somebody that transformed over the course of a few million years that we can't explain, apparently, that, are there, so, you know, that they've inserted in the timeline. We need Adam for there to be even a need for Jesus to give up his place in heaven for us. But anyway, sin entered the heart of man and brought all of us to a place of being subject to sin. Now, there's a school of thought right across this nation at this point in time that you cannot teach the depravity of man. You cannot say that man was born under sin. You might have, where, 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 where are you coming, getting that from, Gabriel? Well, I mean, it is expressed in different streams of the media, but there's a few specific examples that are currently being discussed. One of the ideas, give every student an A grade and let them trickle down from the A grade with failures or lack of attendance or uh, inability to, to do certain exams. Why? What's the message being communicated? Everybody's perfect until they make a few little mistakes. Or, don't have competitions with kids. Don't, don't have any sports where they score the games. Don't have any sports where the winner gets a gold medal. Well, they're trying to, everybody's created the same. And they're, they're good enough. And don't introduce this idea of competition or shortfall relative to human goals. That's some methods of outworking of this idea that we're, we're actually humans are pretty good people. Now, there is an argument to be made for the fact that there are observable goodnesses in man's behavior. But that is taught behavior. You never have to teach a child how to do wrong. He just does it. She just does it. You have to teach them how to do right. You have to say, listen, don't do that, don't do that, do do this. That goodness is brought out, but it is a reflection. It is a mere shadow of what has been placed in us as created beings. But that shadow becomes much more reality as we are connected with the one who created us, our Father who is in heaven. See, if we remove the idea of conflict, if we remove the recognition of failure or sin, then we deny man his opportunity to engage with the one who can restore them from sin. We deny man the opportunity to even begin to ask God for forgiveness if we say there's no sin in the first place. The reality is there's a lot of sin in the world. And if you're still trying to sell yourself the line that you're a good person, please be honest about what you were doing just today, let alone last week, last month. We need to come to a knowledge that we need Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now, because of that decision of Adam, the father was separated from having dominion in the earth through man as he had previously intended. See, Adam, spirit-filled man, was supposed to live out the mandate of God, empowered by the spirit to have dominion over the earth. Holy Spirit couldn't work that way any longer. There was a restriction on the ability of the spirit to indwell man because of this sin nature. So this is one of the primary reasons why we need Jesus. The forgiveness of sin so that we can be restored to the place of carrying the Spirit. 
up until this point in time, up until Jesus' Jesus' time, sorry, the Holy Spirit did begin to work in the earth, and we know how he did it. He moved upon prophets, upon priests, and upon kings, selected people. But there was not a widespread outpouring or widespread restoration of the Spirit until a sacrifice was given. And this was Jesus' prophetic destiny. It says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. What is this speaking of? This is speaking of the Father's earnest desire to break out of heaven, the place where he was, in a sense, restricted to, apart from the working through the individuals that were anointed, priests, prophets, kings, to break out of that place to actually inhabit the heart of every single believer. See, that is the mandate to which you're called. You are called to be a carrier of the Holy Spirit. You are called to be somebody that walks around as a spirit-filled being. Now we're going to see the ultimate of that when we receive our resurrection bodies and carry the glory of God within us and glorify Him through our lifestyle in a perfect way. But we can still see it incrementally today. Be transformed from the glory of the Lord to the glory of the Spirit in this experience that we are in right now. That's why Jesus died. He died to forgive us our sin so that we could be restored to the original creation mandate of being spirit-filled beings. That's pretty significant. I mean, I know that this is heavy theology. It might be difficult to understand. But there is a lot of need for us to understand this truth. This truth that you, your life is about much more than just the nine to five. Your life is about much more than just trying to hang out with the people around you and hopefully keep them as friends and not offend them too much and hopefully keep your family together and just let's bury all of the family issues and you know, let's maybe just do our best in work and hope that we get by and maybe they might notice us one day and give us a promotion. Our life is about much more than that. The single most dignifying aspect of the human life is that God would decide to dwell in our hearts by the Spirit of God. And that adds significance to every single aspect of our lives. If God is with us, enjoying our lives, how much more valuable does life become? If God is with me, then I actually want to start thinking about the things that I'm doing. I can't be involved in sin. I can't be involved in sin because I'm, I'm walking with God. I can't be involved in silly man-made decisions or man-made choices. I want to be walking with God. I can't be frustrated or distracted by the affairs of the day because I want to be walking with God. It adds so much more value. I mean, what can you be doing walking with? You can be walking down the street walking with God. You can be going for a big hike walking with God. You can be swimming. You can be shopping. You can be um, sleeping in a tent. You can be staying in a five-star hotel. All of that walking with God. God with you everywhere that you go, but more importantly, you where God wants you to be by the Spirit of God. That adds so much more value to our life. It adds so much more purpose and destiny to our life. And it is available for all of us. It shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Yes, even the prostitutes, the gangsters, the pimps. As much as you. I want the Holy Spirit for myself. Come on now. This is one spirit given for all that we might all be united to God's glory, not an exclusive me and God thing, but all of us experiencing the goodness of God in and through our lives. Why? Because God is extravagant in His love. There is no limitation to God's Spirit and His willingness to pour out His Spirit on you. It says in Scripture that He desires that none should be lost, but all should come to the saving knowledge of God's grace, which includes this filling with the Spirit peace. He Himself wants to come and dwell in you. It's available for all of us. And what do we need to do to get it? Anyone tell me? We repent and put our faith in Jesus, and then we open our hands and say, I'll take that gift, please, Jesus. Thank you. Why do I say that? Because it's not about what you earn. It's not about, oh, you need to spend a thousand hours in prayer before you get baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you also need to make sure at that point in time when you've prayed your thousandth prayer that there's no sin in your life. It'd be good if you got baptized just before it happened. Um, And if you've got any debts with anyone that you've cleared those debts, and if there's any grievance in your heart, then you can have the Holy Spirit. Rubbish. 
It's for you so that you can walk holy. It's for you so that you can step into this experience of the kingdom of God. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, just to underline everything that I've said, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man from dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly man. You today are somebody that can receive that mark of the heavenly man in your life. And the Holy Spirit comes to do some significant things in your life. He comes that you might be empowered for the life that you're called to, engage in the spiritual battle, that you would grow in spiritual strength, and that you would see the victory that God has purposed for you. And that victory looks like walking in the righteousness, joy, and peace of the Holy Spirit, whatever circumstance you might find yourself in. I want to make this a bit more relevant to you. I've got one good story to go to out of quite a few good stories, but this is quite a comprehensive one, so maybe I'll use it again. And I'm sorry if you've heard this one before. But there was a young man who was in church. Um, big guy. Same size as me, but multiplied by 25% bit higher in church and you think wow great great to see a guy in church skinhead great to see a guy in church you know I started to get to know him got to know his name and all this kind of stuff we're hanging out and then suddenly disappears don't see him six months and then he shows up he calls me and shows up at church he's like Gabriel I need to see you now at that time I was living right next door so although I wasn't at church it was a blessing because he just had to come next door and find me there so we went walking all around Notting Hill Gate and he's just I need Jesus in my life. I need to know Jesus. I need to, I, I, I need to reconnect. I've been lost. I'm, I've gone away from God. And he just started to weep the tears of repentance. And we prayed a prayer together right out there, St. John's Church, about a five-minute walk away, out there. And he just starts to weep, this big guy. And it's always uncomfortable when big guys are crying. But this was such a beautiful moment. And I was like, this guy is experiencing God. Then he got back to the church, and I started to think, like, I'm sure it's the Holy Spirit talking to me, saying, if you just let this guy go now, you might not see him for another three months, six months, year, who knows what. You better pray with him right now that he has what he needs to go and do what he needs to do. And so I said, dude, you need to baptism some of the Holy Spirit. And I sat him down, and he's like, what is that? And I was like, well, it's where God comes to dwell in your life and, you know, explain this whole thing, which I'm going to explain to you shortly, so let me not double take it. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm going to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit, and you will know you've got it because of a manifestation of tongues in your life. And we'll talk about that in a bit as well. And he's like, okay, I want it. So we just sat down and prayed, and instantly he gets filled with the Spirit and just starts to like rattle away praying in tongues. And he opens his eyes. He's like, dude, what was that? That was amazing. I felt so much love. That was powerful. Oh, amazing. I want to go home and pray more now. So I was like, good. See you later. I need to go back to bed. <laughs> so he left. And he called me three months later, and I hadn't seen him for this three-month period. And he's like, Gabriel, I just want to explain to you what happened that day. That day, my office called me to suspend me for sexual harassment. I had to explain to my wife that I had been flirting with some girls in the office. I had also had an affair. I was dealing drugs, um, and, and my life was quite a, quite a mess. Um, and that's why I needed God. I was in a moment of desperation. Think about that. In the moment of desperation, the most unholy man that you could probably describe, short of having killed somebody, cheating on his wife, dealing drugs, and fooling around in the office, gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you, if you were the Holy Spirit, would never associate yourself with that kind of a person. But the Holy Spirit shows up and not only comforts him, in those tears of repentance, but takes residence in his life. You know what's so powerful about that message? It's the guy went to prison, but in prison won 12 or more guys to Christ and started a cell group. That guy now runs a 
cell group in the church that he attends is reconciled with his wife and has three sons. That is a testimony of the power of the Spirit of God operating in someone's life, amen? That is a testimony of transformation that can happen. That's the kind of thing, why, reason why we need the Holy Spirit. To see guys like that taken from the brink of destruction and restored, and much more than restored, becoming effective for the edification of the body of Christ. Becoming effective for the building up of his house. You need the Holy Spirit. There might be some of you here today who resonate with that. You might find yourself completely far away from God, and you're here today. Maybe your mates dragged you in. Maybe your boyfriend's dragged you in or your girlfriend's dragged you in, and you just can't wait for me to finish. I don't know how much longer I'm going to go for. But what I do know is if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. You need to know him as your Lord and Savior. And it is as simple as this. It is a prayer away. It is an opening of your hands and saying, you know what, Jesus? I might have messed up my life in the biggest way possible, but I know that you're God and I want to follow you as my Savior. Can you use someone like me? Can you take someone like me, messed up as I am, can you forgive me and put me to the task of working for the glory of your name? We want to give you an opportunity right now to respond to that message. It's a life-changing message. Everyone who's here who is a Christian knows the power of that life-changing message in their life. But if you're here, especially if you're a man, you need to submit your life to the Lordship of Christ. The reason I say especially is because, ladies, I know you're just a, a moment away from accepting Jesus. But you guys, some of you are so stubborn that you think that you're going to continue to reign your life and rule your life in a way which is beneficial to you. Just look at the experiences that you're having right now and ask yourself, would it be better if God was involved? We're going to give you an opportunity. And it's a simple prayer. I'm going to invite everyone to bow their head to spread their hands in prayer. And at the end of this prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, you know what, I want Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to do it boldly, not half-hearted, not a little hand on your shoulder, hand right up in the air, Lord, I want you in my life. All pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your goodness and your love that is revealed to us in Jesus. Now, just if you're one of these people praying this prayer for the first time, Jesus, today I need you. Because I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness, and all of us back together. Because we have seen you are God, that you extend your mercy to those who are undeserving. And we thank you that you count us amongst them, that we are sinners that have been saved by grace and are transformed. And are being transformed into the image of your son. In Jesus' name. So what I want to ask, well, just while everyone's got their attention on themselves, eyes closed, is if you prayed that prayer and you know that you need to commit your life to Jesus today, I want you to boldly raise your hand directly up into the air, all the way so that I can see it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else that you know that you need Jesus in your life? You've been walking in a way that's contrary to following Christ. And you need him to become God in your life. For you to run your decisions by, for you to seek, for you to pursue, to see his call revealed in your life. Anyone else, stretch your hand fully up in the air. There's a lot of people with their hands raised up right now. Join them boldly. Father, we thank you for all of the people that have raised their hands today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have appointed this day for them. And Lord, we ask you that today, right now, as they pray, that Jesus, you would enter into their hearts by faith. And Lord, I announce to each one of them that they have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. As they raise their hands in faith, that they would receive the forgiveness that is available through the cross. And that every sin, past, present, and future, would be washed away by your blood. And that they would be made new creations in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. To all of you who put your hands up, amazing decision you've made today. We're going to be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now, which is for you, but you also recommend you to get baptized in water at your earliest possible opportunity. The next one here is on the 25th of May, which is the last Sunday of May.
But you see, that's such an amazing experience. If you guys uh, can have a chat with people later on, just make sure you... Uh, we've got some people standing around. They want to just help pray with you and all of that. They can do that later on. We'll make an opportunity for that. But for the rest of us, you see, I've just presented one aspect. We repent, put our faith in Jesus. We also need to get water baptized. But there is this third aspect that we need, the encounter with the Holy Spirit, that baptism of the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit taking up residence in our lives. Now, what, does that, what is that for firstly? And then what does that look like? The Holy Spirit comes into our life for a few reasons. One was the one I just explained to you. He makes you holy. You don't get holy and then get the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit when you're most messed up, and He brings holiness out of you. In addition, He is the Spirit of Sonship. He comes to show you that you have been adopted by our Father who is in heaven. As the Spirit takes up residence in your life, it will call you to, cause you to cry out, Abba, Father. And from that point onwards, you will know that you are God's son or daughter. This is not you sitting down and just praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is, our oh, Father, my Father, I know who you are. I know that you found me, my creator, my God. If you want to read more about that, Galatians 4 verse 4 or Romans 8 verse 15 are areas that you can read. He comes to make you holy. He comes to bring you into a knowledge of your adoption in the kingdom of God. And he comes to empower you with the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit. The fruits that we spoke about are the ones we're going to, uh, the gifts that we spoke about are the ones that we're going to unpack over the course of this series. But just to highlight one for those of you that are critics of praying in tongues in a, in a corporate place, the gift of tongues spoken about is a tongue which is to address people with, not to address God with. There is a heavenly language tongues with which we pray towards God, and there is a tongue which we address towards people but requires interpretation. Okay? Now, the tongues that we express in a corporate setting are directed to God. It's the same way as if you were praying to God in English, French, Spanish, Japanese, Chinese, uh, Tagalog, whatever language you speak here today, but speaking in our heavenly language. So we're talking about two different things. The tongues that we receive, the heavenly language that we receive for every one of us, that's what we're going to be believing God for momentarily. But the other one, the gift of tongues, is the tongue with which you address a people group. Kemi is going to be ministering on that in the last Sunday in June. The gifts of the Spirit. But these gifts that we are going to unpack sit alongside the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these fruit have a difference in their expression between human expression and God's capacity. We are limited in our expression of love as human beings. We often withhold our love on the basis of how someone is treating us. But God calls us to love without limit, to love our enemies, to love those who have sinned against us, as well as loving our, our friends, our family, ourselves, and our God. So there is a limitlessness to the love that is expressing God, just like with all of the others. But these fruit and these gifts, they sit integrally linked together. If you do not exhibit the fruit when you are exhibiting the gifts, you are not demonstrating the one spirit. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I talk with the tongues of angels, but have not love, I am nothing. The fruit and the, and the gifts sit perfectly aligned towards each other. This spirit will bring us into a place of supernatural experience. The supernatural experience of the kingdom of God. Do you know in revival-like experiences in God's kingdom, we're not talking about things like gold dust and feathers and you might be really excited about all that kind of stuff and it does happen. But we're talking about resurrection from the dead. We're talking about blind eyes opening. We're talking about deaf ears opening. We're talking about paralyzed people getting up and walking. Cancers disappearing. People being preaching here and then suddenly getting transported to preach somewhere else. We see that with Philip, who's one moment preaching to a guy in the middle of the desert, next moment finds himself in town preaching, and he didn't walk the distance because he would know about it. He would have said, I had to walk, it burnt my feet. But instead he finds himself suddenly caught away in Acts 8, verse 26 and 39. Paul himself had similar experiences where he was able to say, I was present in spirit, though absent in body. These are all supernatural experiences that are led by the Spirit of God. You might have heard of uh, 
counterfeits. You might have heard of things that happen in, 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 in witchcraft and all of that kind of stuff. All of that stuff is possible because there's a realm of the Spirit. But we're talking about what is brought forth by the Holy Spirit as you walk in service and honor of Him. So let's focus our attention, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I could talk for hours on this, written master's papers on it. But I will make it as simple as I can. As part of your conversion initiation experience, for you to become a properly formed Christian in the biblical context is to be a repentant believer in Jesus who is water baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit for the full conversion initiation experience. Now, you are saved once you put your faith in Jesus, but you become a disciple once you start to follow him in water baptism and spirit baptism. And all of us are called to be disciples in the following, not Christians by name. You see, I've always said to my guys, and I will keep saying this, focus on being the best disciple you can be and let other people call you Christians. See, today we think of the Christians as a name we need to be ashamed of. We're shy away, oh, don't, don't come, no, no, I'm not a Christian. But you see, the way that the term Christian came about is that they saw disciples, people that were repentant, believers in Jesus, had been baptized and filled with the Spirit. They saw them living in such a way that they were saying, that's Jesus. Their lifestyle demonstrates Jesus. The way that they're expressing themselves, speaking, the power they're demonstrating is like Jesus, Christian. Be the best disciple you can be and let somebody else call you a Christian because of what they see in you instead of being ashamed about being a Christian because you don't really know who you've believed in. Please make a decision. Put your faith in one camp and say, I am going to follow Jesus. But that is available to all of us. Repentant believers baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to know where I get it from? Acts 2, 3, uh, Acts 2 38, 39. What do we need to do to be saved? Repent and believe. Get water baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're Pentecostals here. We believe in a gift of the Holy Spirit that is associated with a demonstration of something. Now, in Scripture, the most obvious demonstration that is regularly presented is a change in speech, either through tongues or prophecy or now speaking about Jesus with the revelation that he is the Son of God. Okay? Now, the most easily identifiable is tongues, which is why the strong emphasis in a Pentecostal context. But prophecy counts, and preaching with revelation as, of Jesus as a son of God counts. So if we're talking to you, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You might say, oh, uh, I don't know. Like, I felt warm and tingly one day. You know, had this nice experience. It felt great. Okay, God bless you. Awesome. God was in the room. God can show up whenever he wants. But what we're talking about is, do you know that the Spirit of God has taken up residence in your life, in your heart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you know? Because I spoke in tongues, because I prophesied, because I suddenly knew that Jesus was the Son of God, and I started calling him Jesus, Son of God. I suddenly knew that, that my Father in heaven was my Father, and I started to cry out, Abba, Father. That's an identifiable experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A warm, tingly feeling. I get a warm, tingly feeling when I see my wife. It's just the way it is. There's all kinds of things that we could talk about. There's issues of subsequence and sensibility and how we know that we've received the Holy Spirit and not and all of these kinds of things. There are many studies that you can do. Acts 8, if you want to do more of a study. Acts 8 for subsequence. Acts 9 for Paul's experience. Acts 10 for the Cornelius household experience. Ephesians 12 where they get rebaptized into Christ and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues and prophecy. But enough for me to say to you that in each situation, there is a demonstration that they have received the Holy Spirit. And they know it because there's a change in the way that they speak. Now, is this for you? Yes, it's for you. Why is it for you? Because you're called to a purpose of bringing God glory in your life. Well, didn't I receive the Holy Spirit when I got saved? You might have done. Did you speak in tongues? Did you prophesy? Yeah, if you did, then yes. Well, then how did I get saved? How, did, how do I know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior? Quick demonstration, Alex and Max, if you can stand up. This is a simple way of looking at it. 
Max is Jesus. <laughs> Alex is the Holy Spirit. I'm Gabriel, okay? So the Holy Spirit introduces me to, Mac, uh, to, to Jesus. Gabriel, this is Jesus, introduced by the Holy Spirit, right? So now I have a divine connection with Jesus. Now Jesus introduces me to the Holy Spirit. So now I have a divine connection with the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what happens. The Holy Spirit comes to introduce us to Christ, and Christ takes us and baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. We have that one experience we can define as the day that we got saved, and this we can define as the day we got saved because we say, hallelujah, and start speaking tongues in Jesus' name. Amen? Thank you very much, guys. Does that make sense for you? So we've been introduced to Jesus by the Spirit who brought a revelation of Jesus to our hearts. And Jesus enters our lives. But then later, it might be immediately or it might be later, we have an encounter where we receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the one who takes us and baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Now, I've given you theology because you need theology to understand where we're coming from. If we just got up here and said, hallelujah, you need the Holy Spirit, just, we're just going to pray and you can have a fantastic experience, you would go away and wonder, what have I got? Is this some kind of weird spirit, different spirit, unknown spirit? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to become the person that God is calling for you to be. And I want to make an opportunity for you to receive him today. Now, it's as simple as us saying, Jesus, we believe you at your word and at your promise, and we ask you for the gift of the Spirit. And just to say a few parameters, God is not going to come and take your head and start to move your face around and make you talk in tongues, okay? It just doesn't do that. This is part of you expressing a gift that he places within you, okay? So you might feel like bubbles, like words are just welling up or bubbling up in your mouth and you just start to speak out. Or you might just start to speak in faith and it happens, but it's a speech thing. We've got to hear it. Okay? We've got to hear it. It is God taking up residence in your life and it's a bringing forth of, of his truth and revelation in your heart. You might say, well, Gabriel, you know, I don't believe in this tongues in public thing. I hope I've addressed that. We are praying to God. We're not talking to each other. If we're talking to each other without interpretation, that's foolishness. But we're talking to God who doesn't need an interpreter. He just needs you to speak to him, okay? Let me ask you one last question. When you last received a gift, what did you do? Oh, let me just get my wallet. How much do I owe you? You just took it off and said thank you, right? That's what we're going to do. So what I'm going to do is ask us all to stand, and we're just going to spend a few moments with the Lord, and if the team could come back, that would be great. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity, and I want you to be bold. Those of you that need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, please come out and fill up the front. And I want to pray with you, lay hands on, and believe God that you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Okay? If you do need to go, please do so quietly because this is a holy moment for everyone that's here waiting in the presence of God. Okay? So we just have a few, few notes. Let's stretch our hands forth. Father, we thank you for your presence here right now. And Jesus, we believe that you're here to fulfill that which you gave your life for on an in, for the individual in terms of res restoring them to their role as a temple of the Spirit, a carrier of the Spirit of God. We know that you're doing greater things in terms of the restoration of creation and the dominion over all of the enemies. But right now for the individual, you're restoring to us our individual creation mandate of being characters of your, uh, carriers of your presence. And Lord, we ask you that you would be manifest here. Manifest here. Lord, those of us who need a refreshing, we're, we're going to receive from you today. But Lord, everyone that's hungry for the baptism of the Spirit, I ask that you'd meet with them right now at their point of need. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I ask you to come out to the front start to fill up the area here in the front don't be ashamed of this all of us have been here at some point in time we say you know I've never prayed in tongues I've even tried before and it hasn't worked and I just don't know what to do come out, come out, come out all of you come out and start to fill up the front thank you guys let's fill up at the front especially you lot who put your hand up during the time of, of prayer earlier on anyone else who doesn't know, knows that they don't pray in tongues 
and they want to pray in tongues, they want to meet with God. We do not believe that God loves you less if you don't pray in tongues today. But what we do believe is that if he wants to give it, why not take it? Anyone else? Anyone else? Remember your bags as well. If you've got handbags and stuff, make sure they're with a friend. Okay, for the rest of you right where you are, just start to lift your hands to the Lord. We're going to ask God to fill up your heart afresh. A couple of the ministers are going to come and pray with you guys at the front. I'll be down in a, in a second. The rest of you, lift your hands in the air. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to move in this place. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would by your spirit, manifest yourself here this, this afternoon. Right across from the left to the right, Father, right across that people would encounter your spirit, that they would receive afresh from you, that they would receive afresh from you, that they would encounter you, that there would be a sense of fresh infilling with Jesus. Right where you are, just start to turn your heart in adoration to the Lord and worship to the Lord and believe him to pour out his spirit on you afresh. We're going to spend up, 10, ten, up to 10 minutes in the presence of God, 15 minutes. So just keep worshiping right where you're at. Keep pressing in right where you're at. Ask God to fill you afresh. If you're dry, if you're tired, you need a fresh infilling of the Spirit. Ask Him for it. Ask Him for it in Jesus' name. Father, 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 hold me, Father, 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 i 
Give the Lord a big praise. Now, let's keep let's let's just keep uh, in an in, a, in an atmosphere of, of, of worship just for a moment. You know, many of you might wonder why pray in tongues. Like, what is the point? We pray in tongues to align our soul, or our thinking, with what God wants us to pray about. You could easily come to God today and say, you know what, God, I pray for my mom to get saved. I pray for my Mercedes Benz. I pray that my my boss will get fired all of these kind of prayers. But is that what God wants you to be praying right now, right? And so what we do is we pray in tongues and listen to God and we'll find that He starts to speak to us in our thinking or in our memories about who He wants us to pray for, a situation, and start to pray for them. Start to believe God. Start to believe God that you break through in English, French, whatever your language is, start to pray it out. And then when you feel that comes to an end, go back to tongues until you feel a second prayer line and then you pray out according to that prayer line in your native language and then you go back to tongues and you so doing keep refreshing and recycling through praying what the spirit wants you to pray it's aligning your thinking to what god wants you to pray for okay and you'll start to see things happen you know one of the most fulfilling things is answered prayer and you get answered prayer when you pray what god wants you to pray for amen so we're going to spend some time just right now praying in tongues praying in tongues right where you are and just be in your heart i'm speaking strength to my spirit i'm speaking strength to my prayer life i'm speaking strength to the call of god upon my life in your heavenly language all of you at the front join in with this guys if you can just minister a song without words while everyone's praying I know 
in London, it's so easy to be overwhelmed by the challenges, the cares of the world. But we want the Lord to fill us up afresh. So just extend your hands towards God. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to put your spirit afresh on your people. Spirit of love, spirit of grace, of holiness. Your nature is redeemer, counselor, helper, wonderful friend, everlasting father, prince of peace would be manifest in our hearts. We ask for your glory here this afternoon, Jesus. We ask for your glory here this afternoon, Jesus. Rest upon your people tonight. Rest upon your people. Lord, we ask that by your Spirit you would make us strong. Strong as we pray, strong as we intercede, strong as we seek you in the gifts of the Spirit. We know that you have given them to us for the purpose of reaching out to a broken world and bringing glory to your name. You've given them to us, the Spirit to us, so that we might be strong for Christ in, a, in an anti, anti-world. Lord, we ask you, Father, empower us for the mission which you have given us. Enable us to step out to live for your glory. Help us to move in the gifts of your Spirit for the purpose of the unity of the church and the glory of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a massive praise offering.